0: Hey there, everybody. I am, as I always say, so excited to be here today on the Empathic Mastery Show because I have another stellar guest, Ulrika Sullivan is a former scientist turned author, intuitive spiritual life coach, yoga teacher, and energy healer. She's our our kind of person. She is passionate about helping busy women to connect with their intuition, energy, and true selves to find inner calm, self-love, and life balance so they can live from the heart with more ease and flow. Ulrika is the author of Wisdom Beyond What You Know, How to Shift from Being Driven by the Mind to Living from the Heart and Intuition. She's the creator of New Light Living, See Your Life in a New Light podcast, and founder of the Beyond the Mind membership community. Ulrika, welcome. I am so glad you're here.
1: Thank you so much. I'm so delighted to be here having a conversation with you today.
0: Me too. And so I want to, you know, one of the things that you, when you were sort of reaching out to me about being on this show that really jumped out at me was the relationship to choosing a career, being a scientist, but choosing a career that's misaligned for us and the ways that We, as sometimes as empaths, find ourselves in the wrong places. So, you know, talk to me. Tell me. Tell me your story. Yes, yes.
1: And I think what you're pointing out here is so common that we find ourselves in a situation, whether it's career or relationship or anything else, that like I don't really thrive here. And my story is really uh, one of being. I would say focused on success and how success is defined by society or expectations from the outside of us. And that's often where we, many of us are starting, right? We look out when we're young. I mean, my career started, you know, after college and, you know, you, you find your way and you're looking outside yourself for something that looks like the right thing. Mm-hmm. And for me, it started within uh the scientific world. I I wasn't really <laughs> you know targeting to go into science really. I I as many times we we end up in a field that we do because of decisions we've made in the past and as a young person, we don't really know sometimes, am I taking somebody else's advice? or uh, And often we do that, yes. right? Uh, yes. Before we connect with our true self. So that's what happened for me. And I must say, I was not despising it from the start, if you will. I've never really despised being in, in a scientific career or a business environment. However, after many years, I noticed that I was really drained. Mm-hmm. I was really struggling a lot more than what I wanted to at the end of the day. And it took many, many years for me to realize that I did struggle, that I did put in more energy than what I, ha- what I really should be doing, like to, to live well and thrive. Right, right. Because it was so easy to just push through and ignore all the signals of my body, ignore signals from my true self, my higher self. And I think, and in, in if you're listening or watching to this, you may relate to that. That it's so easy, and we've been, you know, trained, or uh, it's just an expectation. Especially as a woman, sometimes to really just suck it up, right, and, and push through. Right. So for me, that went on for many, many years, uh, and. Uh, it came to a point where I knew that there is something more for me, but it was it was likely my soul, my my subconscious to kind of started to kind of okay, it's time soon to start expanding from what you're doing. And what you're doing is just not it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um and I ended up being very disconnected from My passion, like somebody asked me, for example, a number of years ago, Oh, Rika, what do you do for fun? And I did not have an answer. Wow. Yeah. Because everything in my life was focused around my career, my young family at the time. And I was not part of the equation, Mm -hmm. me as an individual or person or, or my well-being. It was like everything else went just ahead right, right. of me and I never got to me. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. So I want to backpedal a little bit in terms of you as a highly sensitive empathic person. I know you identify as an empath and an intuitive. And I find it so fascinating that you opted to go in the direction of science because at least in my experience. I've absolutely known a number of people who are in like tech and science who are very have a spiritual bent. I've also known a lot of people in the science world who think that all of this stuff that you and I are talking about is total hooey, and that there's just no support whatsoever. I actually when I was an undergraduate, I went to art school for a while and I was in the, living in Cleveland on the Case Western Reserve dorms, and I was dating an engineering major. And he was constantly invalidating my experience, constantly sort of being like, you know, thinking that, like, my ability to pick up on things was an overactive imagination. And so I'm actually really curious, like, did you know you were an empath? Did you have, were you were you already intuitive and psychic and went into science? And what was it like? being in the scientific world that has a tendency to really dismiss all of this, you know, the mm. woo stuff. Like, that's just one of the things I'm like, that must have been really hard. Yeah.
1: yeah for me personally, I was not identifying myself at the time. And, and you will, we're thinking here, 20 yeah. years back in time when I was not really seeing myself that way and the, the language the terminology around it was not really out there at the time
0: no it was not at all you could find it on star trek space 1999 you know but not many other places
1: right so i personally i did not really you know see that difference between i'm really this and here i am in a in a in this environment i did not because i was so immersed in that environment of logic, you know, results, um, things like that, right? So there was never really until, you know, recent years, that reflection that I actually, that there's so much more here that matters. Mm -hmm. Because it it is like our, our mind focuses on what we believe is important. Yes. And the mind wants us to ignore the rest, right? And what Mm -hmm, I know now mm -hmm. that there's so much more, that is an insight that I came to a number of years ago, but back then it was not part of my vocabulary, if you will. So I wasn't reflecting upon that, that I'm different. I just ignore that side.
0: (laughs) Wow. And we all know how ignoring that side has a tendency Mm -hmm. to backfire on us horribly (laughs) um but i'm really curious about you know like it sounds like you kind of found yourself in science you were following along with sort of the plan and i think you were say even you were you know the people pleasing side of that and you didn't necessarily know that you were different you didn't necessarily identify as highly sensitive and empathic yet but you were feeling all of it so i'd love to talk about like especially if somebody's listening to this and they're identifying like I really would love to talk about like, what were kind of the red flags or warning signs or like the beginnings of your wake up calls? Like, how did you start noticing that you were misaligned with what you were doing? Mm,
1: such a great question. And the way I noticed it was that I came home from my, and it was at the time where nobody was working from home, right? After a long working day, right. I was always exhausted. Mm-hmm. I was always very, I would say, scattered, if you will, in my mind yeah. f- for all the impressions during the day, but also the intense focus. That's just how I, my energy is displaying itself in that, situ- in, in that environment, very focused. And I can kind of almost go into a tunnel vision to accomplish what I believed I needed to do. And with that complete Ignoration of my own needs That's how I came to Kind of a rock bottom At the end of the day Because Mm. you can only ignore Your own needs for so long Yes So those were the signs, right? I noticed that I was Extremely Tired, mm, mm-hmm. and I just thought, like many with me, that's just a result. I mean, a few that's years ago, how
0: it goes, everybody's
1: tired. That's how it is supposed to be, right? Yeah, and yeah. we know this. Um, many years ago, you know this conversation and trainings around managing stress, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? That's that's was the terms that were used. That it's just a normal thing to be under this pressure if you want to be successful. Mm. So, uh, you know, that was a normal for me and never did I really, re- uh, you know, reflect upon that. Is this really right for me? Is it, how am I feeling about this uh, way of going about my day? And it wasn't until, you know, much later when I realized that there is I have options yeah. And yeah. this is not really how my natural energy is working. And I have, mm-hmm. you know, got opportunities later on to, to turn that completely around to be more aligned with how my natural energy works. And, you know, but just having experienced that uh, complete kind of struggle, the feel, almost feeling like you have to elbow yourself <laughs> through your day to, uh, and, but feeling that it's normal mm mm-hmm, mhm and and believing it's normal,
0: yeah, I really want to hold that out about the fact that you were just like going through the motions and like dragging basically your zombie butt to work on a daily basis, but assuming that this is just the way it is like, and that, you know, just like suck it up, show up, do the thing. But you said a word or two words (laughs) that really made my like piques my curiosity, which is you said, um, until you hit bottom. And I really, so please, like, what did that look like for you? I know for some people that can be a health crisis, that for some people it can be finding yourself in everything in your life is unraveling. What did hitting bottom look like for you?
1: Yes, uh, my bottom, of course, because since I was very identified with work, my self-identification was was that. Of course, my rock bottom Happen, and, and this is how it often happens. It happens where it matters the most for us. And for me, mm-hmm. it was my career. Basically, what happened was I did not see it coming that I would be, you know, laid off from my work because of a restructuring, or I just couldn't see it coming. It was a complete surprise for me because, you know, this tunnel vision, this autopilot. And I did not believe it could happen to me, or it wasn't even on my radar, but it did. Mm. And some people may may think, oh, well, it's just a job. You can just get another one. But for me, it was really, it was ripping me of my self-identity. Yes, yes.
0: Well, and I'm hearing, like, you made so many bargains. You made so many like you made so many compromises of who you were. And I'm sort of, I'm hearing in my head, like there was this part of you that was like, I was being the good girl. I was Mm -hmm. doing all the things they wanted me to do. And yet they just pulled the rug right out from under me. Like, can I trust anything now? Because the sense I get is that you were like the model employee you followed all the rules. And as an empath, you could sense the rules, you could sense the things. And so I'm imagining you kind of really thought that like, you know, you would get to choose whether you'd stay or go. Mm -hmm. And you were the one who was like, well, I'm just going to keep sucking it up and kicking the can down the road because, (laughs) because like, this is, I do, I'm really good at this. And so for the universe to be sort of the agent of change and go, yeah, no, you do not belong <laughs> in this job. Right. I can only But it imagine. was the best thing that
1: ever happened to me, right? That's right. that's often what happens when you, you're yeah. offered up this opportunity to kind of, because I know by myself, I would not have made that change, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, until much later, likely. So the universe had to step in and say, okay, we're going to sweep this clear so that you get a choice here. And in here I am. I, I made the choice now.
0: Well, and how wonderful that you got to make the choice that, you know, the universe sort of offered this to you and you didn't double down on science and go back (laughs) there and try to force it because... I mean, I've just seen so many people where when they ignore these things, they don't leave the marriage, they don't leave the job, they don't follow their heart's desire. There is a certain point where the inevitable trajectory is going to be like a stroke, heart attack, or cancer. That, you know, it's it's like if we don't honor our truth, eventually our body is going to take us out. So I'm so glad that you were able to honor that. I'm also wondering about the, you know, like, I know that there's that old, I don't know if you've ever heard the joke, you know, when God closes one door, they open another. But the punchline is, but the hallways are a bitch. And (laughs) a lot of times people don't talk about the hallways. And I'm kind of imagining that you, like, so you're doing this job. You're exhausted and you're burned out, but you know it's what you're supposed to do, and you're and you're getting all kinds of sort of intellectual and emotional strokes for being really good at what you're doing. so your identify is uh, your identity is all about this, and then suddenly it's like the rug is just pulled out from under you, and you don't even know what's fun. What was that period like i I'm sure there was a period where you really were like spinning out before you started finding that path. And I'd love to hear both about the period of the in-between and like the, what it really felt like to not have any idea. And then sort of like, where were the breadcrumbs that started leading you towards your Mm. heart's desire?
1: Yes, that period after this happened was a complete, like, who am I? Yeah. And it was hard because I knew that, there was a change coming i could sen- sense that and now was my chance so that was my subconscious told me that okay this is this is it but i had no idea i knew i could get a job just like the one i had right mm-hmm. away and as a matter of fact i did went go back to a a, a job just like that but what was different like just to kind of survive right uh, in terms of uh, f- finances and but what i knew when i took that second job in the same industry and was that i am now on a journey of evolution transformation mm-hmm. i knew that and i knew that job that i was taking as a you know rescue after this rock bottom was not it i knew that so that kicked off my journey of discovery and You asked me about how did I, you know, come into this right next step? Yeah. And the universe wasn't going to leave me hanging, right? So Mm. what happened was that I started to now notice synchronicities come up. Mm. And I think just with this whole rock bottom, it opened up something in me that, okay, pay attention now because I can give you an example um, that was profound. I started to sign up for things like a workshop in New York on my own. Like it was very uncharacteristic of me, but it was like a spiritual workshop. Right. And I drove down to New York and had a wonderful weekend and on the way home driving, like I was singing in the car and it's like, (laughs) you know, I was like, really, this is so has been so different and so wonderful, right? I connected with it. I saw this billboard. Don't wait, make a plan. It's like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, so things like that just started to show up. And after that, I was in some, you know, a few weeks later, a couple of um, weeks, I was in this Facebook group and it was people asking questions or whatever. And there was uh, someone asking about like, how, how do you become a life coach? Like it was some other topic this group was about. And somebody gave a link, like, check it out here. I have experience, my friend has experience from it. And there was this link and I, you know, how it can feel sometimes you just have to click that link. Yes. And there it was, right? It it led me to my next career, just that move. And I, I got absorbed by that website I got into. And it's like, I started to, and there were multiple things along the way, this runway or this hallway you were asking about that showed itself to me. and I. Uh, started to trust these signs and synchronicities that came up, and you know I couldn't miss it. Like that's how mm. universe usually when you're open to see uh, what's next for you, you also you can't miss it. Yeah, you can't miss it. So that's what happened to me, and you know that led me to uh, starting my own business and and overlapping that with my you know rescue job <laughs> for a while until yeah. I could fly on my own. So yeah, but the what you were asking about too is what well, like, how was that process? And I think the biggest difference was that there was something here that opened me up to a self-awareness that was at a different level than before so that I could take in, mm-hmm. um, what was shown to me. And yeah, thanks for that universe.
0: <laughs> well, and I, you know, I'm curious, I'm just, it's, part of me is curious what your zodiac sign is, your sun sign.
1: Yeah, I'm a, I'm a Virgo sun. Uh, you're Taurus. Virgo, of course.
0: Yeah. <laughs> were, and Were you going to say Taurus moon or something? Or Taurus moon, uh, yeah. So I'm a Capricorn yeah. sun with Virgo rising. And as I was listening to you, I'm like, I have had the experience in my own life of like an event like that, where you can see the writing on the wall, like your exit pig purse have been handed to you. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're doing something that is a temporary solution. But you're leveraging your way to something much, much better. And so I really hear that that shock of being pulled out from this trajectory that your career had been going in, and your sense of self had been going in, really was like the wake up call you needed to then go, okay, I'm gonna do something really different than what I had been doing here. And I love that you also recognize that you needed, you know, as you call it, the rescue job. I've heard people call it like the B job but like, (laughs) you know, I think I've actually seen, this is sort of a whole other tangent, but I've seen so many people who think that they have to start their entrepreneurial venture like just off the bat and expected to make money. And the truth is that a lot of times we need to leverage our way into the new career and know that it's gonna be an incremental process. So I wanna hear about like, when did you, You started experiencing the synchronicities. When did you start embracing your identity as an empath and an intuitive? Mm. Like, at what point did that really, like, you were like, oh, this is what I am. Yeah. And how did you realize that this is what you are?
1: Yeah, I... I started like so there's multiple things that that came together right I I also trained uh, I've been you know practicing yoga for a, a number of time uh, of years in the past but in this whole runway or this hallway I also became a yoga teacher so that Ooh. brought me even more closer to connect the body with my soul and mind like it all came together and I naturally also started to pick up, because I'm a lifelong learner, right? I always learn. I started to pick up astrology. I started Mm. to pick up um, tarot Mm -hmm. or oracle, like naturally just connecting back with those types of tools, skills for myself, uh, because I now knew that. That's how I am operating in this world, right? I'm, I'm using this sense of intuition in the way it, I want to be guided, you know, uh, not like making the plan or setting the goals or, you know, limit myself to a plan one to 10, right? So I started to change the way I approach my own day. And I think that the biggest example was, for example, my mornings. In the past, I, you know, if you were me in the past, I had my phone on the nightstand, uh, posted, you know, with ten things on already, and maybe five added over the course of the night. When the alarm clock rang, I ran up, you know, in the shower, grab a cup of coffee, and out the door, drive to work. Like you can, you can feel that pace. Like there was no room for this connection with yourself. Now that then evolved into what I do today. You know, I have a very long morning nowadays tuning into my guides, using cards, I read astrology, like my own astrology looking out the course of the day, the week, the month, whatever, right? So that's how I relate to my world and reading energy in that sense mm. now. So it it's not only like I naturally just picked up these, these tools, if you will, mm-hmm. which is a knowledge about moon cycles and you know all these things that uh, I do now. This energy healing and and uh, yeah. I, I my my bookshelf looks completely different now than just you know many years ago. It would look
0: yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> it's all these healing, uh, healing arts, if you will.
0: I think that for so many of us, there is this karmic past life connection to these things. And it's like we pick these things up, and it just comes automatically. I remember when I, I realized for myself with tarot, because I started reading tarot cards when I at, at, like at the age of like 19, I picked up my first deck. But what I discovered was I was sort of signed up to take a tarot class with somebody at the university, it was like an extracurricular thing. And I realized that after only a couple months of having played with cards, I knew more than the teacher did. And I was like, <laughs> <Yeah>. I understood <laughs> the cards in a way that he did not. So I totally hear you. I'm actually wondering, um, and it sounds like there was just this natural organic experience for you. Did you experience any internal or external pushback from the science mind from the this is not quantifiable this is not reality like that kind of agnostic atheist there's no such you know it's like if you can't if you don't have a double blind study for it it's not going to be real (laughs) like was that something you were up against either either both internally and externally or Just internally or just externally. But did you Mm. experience pushback coming out of, you know, like the whole science culture? And the way that it tends to like, I mean, just the whole opposition of science versus spirituality has struck me as being absurd. But there are a lot of people who really don't see like, sort of like think of them as oil and water.
1: So it, during this period of time when I did both if you will I built up my business and and dove into to that space keeping the the other job so to say that's when I kind of struggled a little bit with can I talk about this right with with my current job and here they should only know what I'm into like when I go home over the weekend when I worked on my business and and growing there but I never really got like a uh, question mark from anyone at work. I they knew that I was into yoga. They knew I was into meditation and but that was pretty much it mm-hmm. that I talked about at work. And and there was acceptance about that, but it's so nobody has an, really come up to me and say like you're you're out there, <laughs> which is good. And my husband is very open-minded, and he's also in the in the scientific field, if you will. But he's also very open-minded in the sense that he he knows that there is more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and once I decided to you know leave that second job and go for my business full-time, I don't really expose myself to uh, a potential challenge there and uh, even if somebody would be challenging me or doesn't agree that's fine yeah that's fine with me but because right now there's nothing there there was this point of no return and I write about it in the book too like when we've come to that point where there is no going back (laughs) we know that there's nothing that can pull me out of that inner knowing that I have now I think this this challenge, and you asked about my inner process as well. Yes, sometimes, because I'm a very logical Mm -hmm. minded person, and that's not going to go away. But I can definitely more so than before, notice when I'm on this track of uh, logical reason, if you will, that is very limited, in a way. And I can also notice, obviously, when I'm in this more unlimited energy right so i i know myself okay now rika you're, <laughs> you're in your mind kind of go ground yourself a little bit and 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 come back to the heart so yeah i nowadays i don't feel that inner conflict or challenge between science or esoteric topics at all and i feel very grounded in in where i'm at what i do feel though is that it's everything that I went through, and I'm sure you can agree to that before, has led me up to be able to relate in the way I do now. Yes,
0: absolutely. Yeah. Uh, And how also having the ability to bridge the gap between the sort of ordinary world and the spiritual world and to be able to speak in language that is accessible to people feels so incredibly important. And I've certainly seen there are people who are doing incredible spiritual work and using language that is so flowery and so woo, that it doesn't make sense to somebody if they're just starting to try to find their way. And it makes it feel like this is like, you're on a completely different planet than me. And I think your experience sounds to me like you really had the opportunity to understand the perspective and the language of a different culture and viewpoint, which then creates bridges for people that are just so incredibly important. I was thinking about, you know, the inner critic and just like the places in our life where we do self-center or self-censor. And, you know, and I was wondering if developmentally, you kind of got to come into the ease of your business in a way that like, for those of us who sort of cut our teeth in our emotional and sort of like social development as adults we're navigating the spiritual path at the same time mm-hmm. like there's a certain amount of like self-doubt that's just part of the age because i think about when i was first working as a psychic and getting people like i would inevitably have these skeptical men who would come along and who try to throw me like where they wanted me they wanted to be blown away like they wanted to be wowed. But they also really wanted to like poke holes in me because it was like part of them wanted to believe and part of them really wanted to confirm that this was complete bullshit. But I know that when I first experienced that as a younger person, I was so flappable. It was so easy to lose my confidence because these people were just, you know, they were bullies. And what I'm wondering is, I'm hearing you is if in some ways you kind of got to work through those boundaries and standing up for yourself within the tech, you know, and the science world. And so by the time you came into this work, you were way, way, way less likely to suffer fools.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's a great perspective. And I, I think you're absolutely right there that um, it's about this, I feel that it's about this personal boundary that I was be able to develop and a strong inner wisdom that, you know, I I can accept whatever p- position anybody has without waiver, because that's their... That's their view, right? And definitely I can sense if somebody is out to kind of try to poke a hole, right? And I can sense that even before they they open their mouth or... But it's very rare that somebody like that is coming in front of me. Mm -hmm. But definitely, I'm I'm sure you by now exactly know the same thing, right? (laughs) You don't have to (laughs) kind of...
0: I'm just like, sure, you want to spend your money? I'm kind of like, you want to spend your money? No problem. Knock yourself out. But I don't tend to attract people like that anymore either, just because I just don't care. Whereas when I was younger, for me, I came from a family of, on my father's side of atheists and I grew up with a lot of skepticism. And so I was sort of like, basically going back and sort of like recapitulating and visiting, revisiting the wound over and over again to try to prove that what I had to say and do was valid. And so I was attracting these kinds of mostly men with this attitude where they were trying to poke holes in things. I mean, I can't even count the number of relationships I was in with skeptics and scientifically oriented men. Yeah. But um, I just, I really love the unflappableness of your boundaries as you're speaking about this. And just the confidence that you came, you know, that, that you cultivated and developed. Yeah. Yeah.
1: One thing that, that also I see more often than those that are trying to poke a hole in me is, is those clients or people that are, are coming to me that don't want to see their own truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, because many times I can, I sense their truth, right. And, but it's, that's the process that I often help them navigate how to get to their own truths and truth and be able to see that truth with love Mm. and so that they can either release what needs to be released or embrace themselves as they are and that's that's a different you know a person who comes to me who are not really there yet in terms of really clearly see their own truth that's a different situation then you know it's about allowing them to unravel basically and 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 sometimes that person can show up as a skeptic, but I see that it's really their own journey that it's about, not mine.
0: (laughs) Not yours. Exactly. Yeah. One of the things that you said a little while back was you were talking about sort of being able to accept that people are where they're at, that they have their perspectives, they have their opinions, and it is what it is. I know from having so many conversations over this last couple of years that a lot of empathic people are really conflicted about the fact that you've got people with really differing opinions and honestly, some people where it really seems like they're deeply misinformed, like their perception of reality is kind of like, how are you seeing the world through that lens? Like, how does that even make sense to you? And I know that there are a lot of people who really as empaths, especially like struggle with that, the difference of people's opinions. And, and especially like, what I've seen is like, even if they intuitively instinctively know what their truth is, I've seen again and again, and particularly it was interesting in regards to social distancing, mask wearing, and all of this, that I would see people who would know what felt safe and right and what their personal boundary was. But then, when like a friend is like, hey, I'm gonna have this indoor party. Oh, by the way, my kid was exposed to COVID the other day, but you know, come on, the more the merrier. That they would doubt themselves, that they would find themselves like so that there's this, this tension of being around other people's opinions that can sometimes, like for many empaths, like make you question your own truth. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that this is just such an incredibly broad topic, but I'd love to hear more about like, how have you come to peace mm. with your truth, but also the fact that there are some people whose truths may be Like, seem really just misaligned or downright nuts.
1: Yeah, this is so important to have a conversation about because it's often in uh, immediate family situations or people that we really love and, you know, that this tension can come up. And my advice, or uh, I'm not really giving advice here, but what
0: I've learned. Is, yeah your experience strength and hope with this one yes, yes.
1: what well. i've learned is that it's so so important to learn the skills of detachment mm. because and i can wholeheartedly relate to how hard it is at in the moment not entangle ourselves with and be upset about somebody's opinion, especially if it's somebody that we're really connected with energetically, because that's often what it is—codependent yes. energetics that are going on. It is to start really observe ourselves and what what that dynamic does to us, and ultimately there are, and you are such a great teacher in this too that. We all need to learn those tools on how to detach us from people we love without feeling that the love is gone, right? Right, right. It's an energetic thing.
0: Or feeling like we're betraying them. Yes,
1: and it's an energetic thing. It's uh, but as an empath, we're so connected to our emotions and it really is the emotional part that we cannot we have to learn that detachment and mm-hmm. often it's it's also at the energetic level. So the tools there are our responsibility to learn. Yeah. Yeah. Because others it's not a responsibility for others to provide those tools to us. It's right. our responsibility to learn how to manage our own energy in that sense and emotions. But, you know, it's it's hard. And it's a commitment to ourselves on allowing ourselves to thrive. Because mm-hmm. what I experienced many many years was that I put myself at the bottom of the list mm-hmm. in terms of how I felt, how I how I let others treat myself, or situations that I allowed myself to go into. For example, the pushing through, right? Mm-hmm. So it's it's about becoming self aware of our own dynamic. And mm-hmm. empaths are very often very aware of that dynamic, but there is not enough power, if you will, sometimes in terms of self-empowerment to manage that within ourself. But I I believe that any empath can learn how to be sovereign energetically. Mm-hmm. That's my true belief because I've seen it over and over again, over, helping people over again. navigate this.
0: Well, and I really believe that in order for us to turn the ship around on this planet and to actually make a difference, every empath is going to have to learn how to be sovereign. Because when we are not sovereign, and when we are engaging in the codependency and the absorbing the thoughts and the feelings, we are contributing to the problem, we are not part of the solution. And, you know, as you were speaking about the idea of this has got to come from within. Like we need to be willing to do the work to find detachment. I was thinking it's like, if we're looking to the outside, we're still externalizing things. And so much of the work is about like managing and navigating and having control over our own energy, which being sovereign with our own energy. You know, as you're talking about, for my listeners, for these people, like, you know, you're talking about learning the skills of detachment. Could you give us a really kind of like, I don't know, sort of done and dusted, but just sort of like really simple, like the very first baby steps of detachment. Like what does that look like? And Mm. maybe even like an example of like, my mother-in-law called me, you know, like how like could you give us an example of like the first baby steps of how to work on detachment? Mm,
1: yeah, and it starts in the mind and our beliefs. Yeah. I've learned often that it's it's what we believe that we can do or others can do. Mm-hmm. And the belief often of of being entangled if you will is that our belief that we can change others, for example, is very rooted in that i have to have this connection with somebody because i want them to be different or i i can help them i can help them i can yeah. help them and that belief starts with a change of that belief <laughs> and and be, the willingness to shift that into What I am versus what they are.
0: What they are. Well, and I love how, because this is an audio only podcast, um, right over Ulrika's head is a framed um, image with just simply the word trust period. And I'm just really thinking that at the core of it is also this idea that, you know, we're not this person's higher power, that we are not the savior, we are not the person who's going to rescue them. And trusting that the universe has a plan, even for this person who appears to be a complete hot mess, and it is not our responsibility to rescue them. And I know that there are people in my life, like most people, I believe, have a higher power in their life, and I'm not it, and that they are gonna be able to sort it out, that they're on a path that they're on the right place, but there's just a couple of those people where it's like that person is like where where' it's sort of like the rules don't apply, and you know it's like how deeply do we trust that we can let this person do their thing and not be the one who's responsible. For yes,
1: that that's yeah. beautifully said. Because once once we realize that and that we believe that the other person, whoever it's a mother in law or a mom or or and often it's immediate family that we have these engagement with. Oh yeah, but once we start to see that they have their own journey mm-hmm. and that we are here to observe that journey and decide how we want to respond to that journey but it's not of of us then it becomes more of a of an exercise of observation and instead of merging with it (laughs) so yeah yeah and this is more energetics than anything right we how we love that person is not how it's not the same thing you can still have immense love for a person but be detached it's not about being like you know I don't want to see you anymore. (laughs) It's not about that because the ultimate test is to be in the same environment with this person that you've always been and see it differently. Mm -hmm. So that's, or or see it differently in the sense that um, you sense the energetics differently within yourself. That's the ultimate test. (laughs)
0: Do you have a concrete example that you'd be comfortable sharing with us about, like that transformation for you?
1: Absolutely, I write it about it in my book. And my, for example, it's my relationship with my mom, and my, I love my mom. She is an outgoing Leo, mm-hmm.
0: <laughs>
1: so and her influence on me uh, growing up was very strong right? Because her, her personality is that she knew that she was right and she knew what was best for me, right? So younger years, that was very imprinted in me. So I see now that my journey was also it, through work was, you know, also perpetuating this because what do you do for fun, Ulrika? I don't know, <laughs> right? So my relationship with my mom as I grew up to be an adult I realized and, and certainly now that has really been the ultimate practice for me in detachment in this, because I realize that I cannot change her. Mm-hmm. What I can change is the way I allow her to influence me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or not, right? So <laughs> because she's still the outgoing Leo that knows what's right, right? Yeah. And uh, nowadays, I'm an empowered woman that has my own inner truth, and we still get along really, really well. But the process, the internal process within me is not one of frustration or feeling small or taking her advice for truth or anything like that. But in the past, I did. Mm. So that's an, it's a very personal example, but it's, it, yes. the difference is within me. And that is, uh, you know, part of this journey to sovereignty, that we can be in the same room as the person who really annoys us or have done all these things that have made up upset and feeling that we have a different inner process to it. Does that help?
0: Yes, definitely. Well, and I was just thinking about, you know, I think it was Ram Dass. I'm probably going to not quote him precisely, but basically something that Ram Dass essentially said is if you want to figure out or know how spiritual you are, go spend a weekend with your parents or your family. Like, just go back to your family, because that's where you're going to really, that's where the rubber does absolutely hit the road is are we reacting or are we responding? Are we, are we giving away our power or are we sovereign? So Ilrika, I cannot believe how fast this <laughs> conversation has gone by. And I really wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about your book and sharing like that, you know, that amazing thing. So tell us about your book, please. Yes,
1: yes. And I, my book is called Wisdom Beyond What You Know how to shift from being driven by the mind to living from the heart and intuition that's pretty much what i teach nowadays that's the framework and i tell and this book is is valuable because it gives seven inner shifts mm. with practical it's an actionable spiritual self-help book because as you mentioned earlier sometimes when we read spi- spiritual books they're like very you know a language that we can't really bring down to our daily lives and and for me being a triple earth <laughs> I'm a Taurus rising as well so it's Oh my goodness yeah for me it's all about bringing this spiritual perspective that there is more mm-hmm. than you know than what we don't have to be in this pushing mind driven way and we can bring it down to our daily life. So that's why the book is, is including my own stories, but also, you know, analysis and practical exercises that actually makes a difference that anyone who reads the book or will want to work through the book can get true value from. So yeah, and I, I, the first part of the book is really helping readers to identify these mind-driven patterns, because often it is those patterns and habits that we have that maybe uh, be not really known. To, well, they are known, but we're not aware mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. And then the, the second part of the book gives the fundamentals of heart-centered living. A number of chapters emphasizing you know, the importance of connecting to our passion, creativity, inspiration intuition our connection with nature a lot of different things that we may have not thought of really makes a difference and the shift in all of this is laid out in part 3 of the book which is seven inner shifts yes. to multidimensional living basically which is you know when we see ourselves at the top of the mountain in our own life we can then connect with our higher guidance And uh, that's pretty much what is in this book uh, and why it's important.
0: Mm, it sounds like a delightful book. And I love the fact that you that it has multiple parts where the first part is explaining things and really giving people an understand capacity to grasp this. And then the next part is giving us tools. And then the last part is really talking about the seven principles. Um, in my book is actually somewhat similar in that the first part is really the why and the second part is the how. And I think that having actionable steps is really interesting or really a Essential. I have to say, there's a part of me that's like, I really want to hear. Like, if you could give us sort of like a real kind of like, like almost like like thumbnail, like nutshell, like even bullet points. are like, what are the seven principles? Like, <laughs> are they a single word? Like, so
1: really, what they are, the seven shifts. Seven really, shifts. St- they the yeah. seven shifts, They start kind of in a order so that the first shift, for example, is to go from that. Comfort zone to commitment.
0: Mm, From comfort zone to commitment.
1: Yeah, because and it builds upon all these, you know, it's almost like a rubber band, right? Yeah. The comfort zone is the rubber band that we try to stretch, but then there's something that makes us go back. Yes. (laughs) And what I teach here in this first shift is to not like that point of no return that I was talking about, when you feel you there's no going back. That's the commitment that you want to shift into for a a change, a transformation, right? But as long as we go back and forth between this, well, I'm going to make a commitment and then the rubber band pulls us back, which is really our mind pulling us back to to the comfort zone, right? So that's the first shift. And then it takes off after that, becoming self-aware, how to go from that disconnection If you will, from our higher self to self awareness, like who am I? What am I here to do? All of those beautiful discoveries that we can make about ourselves. And then we move on to becoming sovereign. And we talked about that. The sovereignty is so critical in terms of how we view ourselves and how we approach our day. So that I teach that in shift three. And then how many of us are learners? I am a lifelong learner and it's easy to keep, you know, staying in this learning mode Mm -hmm. and not embody what we've learned.
0: Right. Not becoming the expert or the master, but just constantly thinking we need to be a seeker instead of a provider, you know, a server. So the key
1: here is, as you say, is I teach how to kind of, what do you need to become rather than just keep seeking. And the rest of it is really I teach how to go from that logic to the to using your wisdom that you already came here with and tapping into that. And then what everybody is in this on the spiritual path often jumping to very prematurely is manifesting. To go from that pushing mm. to manifest to actually start attracting what you are what you need instead of like that pushing mentality that we were talking about. So I teach that in in shift. And then from seeing ourselves, the last shift is about seeing ourselves as an individual to multi-dimensional, where we are really aligned with it all. Yeah. So that's in yeah. a nutshell. Oh. <laughs>
0: Thank you, Ulrika. And we are at the top of the hour already. This has been such a delicious conversation. It's been so wonderful. Thank you for being so real, so present for being so candid with us and sharing your story. It's just been delightful. So how do people and all this information is going to be in the show notes, guys, so no worries. But how do people get in touch with you?
1: So you're welcome to visit my website, urikasullivan.com. And uh, on there, I have, if you're interested in, in tapping more into your intuition and starting this journey of shifting from your, your mind down to the heart, is, uh, I have a little seven-step guide on uh, where I give my seven shifts, if you will, in a short form, how to listen to your intuition. So go check that out there on my website.
0: Mm. Thank you so much. So you guys, UlrikaSullivan.com. Go over there, go sign up for her awesome stuff and uh, let her know that I sent you. Awesome. Ulrika, thank you so much. This has just been such a delightful conversation. Thank
1: you so much, Jennifer.
0: As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.